sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. While baby's latch may look absolutely perfect from the outside, it can often be what's going on inside of his or her mouth that can cause a breastfeeding challenge. What's a mom to do when her baby's oral anatomy is making breastfeeding difficult? I'm Veronica Tingson, an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Today we are discussing how a baby's oral anatomy can affect breastfeeding. This is The Boob Group, episode number 38. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At the Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Did you know that we have a Boob Group Club? All Boob Group Club members will get access to all of our archived episodes, plus bonus interviews, transcripts, and special discounts and giveaways from our partners. Plus, you can interact with all this great content through the web or through our free Boob Group app, available in the Apple and Amazon Marketplace. Today, we're joined by two lovely panelists in the studio. Um, Would you please introduce yourselves, ladies? My name is Laura De La Torre. I'm 32, and I'm currently... I'm 33, actually. (laughs) I'm currently a stay-at-home mom to my first son, Theodore, who is three months old. I'm Regula Schmid. I'm 41 since we're talking about age. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I got that right. It is 41. Um, I'm currently a stay-at-home mom with my three-year-old daughter Vivian and my twin boys Bayani and Florian who are seven months. And before that I used to be a school principal. Well welcome to the show ladies. It's a pleasure to have you. (coughs) Sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. 
Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So we have a comment from one of our listeners, and it's from Samantha from Kentucky. Um, Hi, Boob Group. I have a question about the Boob Group Club. How do I listen to the archived episodes once I've joined? I've downloaded the app, but all the archived episodes are still locked. Help. Hi, Samantha. This is Sunny. I'm one of the producers on the Boob Group. Okay, so we're so happy that you downloaded our app. Um, When you are in the app, go to the settings page. If you go to the settings page, you'll have to log in using your login information. And then what happens when you go back to the episodes page, all of the episodes then are unlocked. Right now, you're probably seeing like a little lock symbol next to the ones that um, are archived. So once you log in, it'll remember you each time unless you choose to log out. And then it unlocks all of the episodes. So you can listen to us that way. You can get all the great archive content that way. Or even through our website, all you have to do is go to theboopgroup.com and click on the members link to log in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing how a baby's oral anatomy can affect breastfeeding. Our expert, Veronica Tingzon, is an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the Original Comfort Food in San Diego, California. Thanks so much for joining us, Veronica, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. So, Veronica, what are some anatomical anomalies that can affect the way a baby breastfeeds? You know, there's there's several, um, but the ones that are most I guess common or most prevalent in in breastfeeding is uh, the first one that everybody's heard of is the tongue tie, um, which I know you had uh, Dr. James Ochi over here and he talked about tongue tie and uh, where the placement of that uh, frenulum, which is the little band underneath the tongue, um, how it's placed, the thickness of it, how it moves. Um, there's also the labial frenum, which is the little band underneath the the upper lip, tying the upper lip to the um, to the gum. Um, And then there's things that are a little bit um, less talked about, but still very common. The structure of the palate, um, whether it's high, whether it's grooved, whether it's arched, whether it's slanted, um, low-lying gums. um, And also the other um, anomalies that um, are even less common, but also happen, is if a baby's born with a tooth or um, if the baby has a cleft palate or a cleft lip. So those are things that you can look at as um, anatomical things that can cause difficulties to breastfeeding. Okay. Um, and ladies, how how did your baby's oral anatomy affect breastfeeding, and was it a challenge right from the beginning? Um, Regula. Um, all three of my babies were tongue-tied. Um, Vivian was born um, tongue-tied so severely that she couldn't move her tongue at all. And um, so that was clipped within 24 hours of her being born, but she still could not draw milk out of the breast. And she was clipped two more times, which made it not be resolved until she was three months old. So she could not 
draw sufficient milk out of the breast until she was three months old. Um, going into the second pregnancy and having a second set of children, um, we were prepared and we were prepared also to know that there are not just very obvious tongue ties, there are also posterior tongue ties that you can't see that clearly. And um, so we had the boys checked out immediately when their output after birth was not sufficient. And sure enough, they were both tongue-tied as well. Had They each had a posterior tongue-tie. Um, when, when that got clipped, they instantly started peeing and pooping just fine. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they've been nursing like champs since then. It's amazing how quickly it resolves mm -hmm. that... Yeah. It can, for sure. And, and again, but you did recognize as well that even with Vivian, the having the tongue clip does sometimes take a while as well, which is, is so hard because there's no way to even be able to predict how soon after a clipping a baby will be able to nurse. One of Effectively, I should say. Yeah, exactly. One, one of the things that I've, that I've noticed um, in my practice is that, especially with who you go to, to clip the tongue, whether you go to a pedi pediatrician, an ENT, somebody who's done a lot of hours in clipping an a infant's tongue, not a an older child who's doing it for other purposes like, you know, speech impediments or things like that. What'll happen is that they don't clip it far back enough. So oftentimes what happens with the um, the forward anterior tongue tie, what like what Vivian had, um, it leads into a posterior tongue tie and they just only clip that forward frenulum and don't do anything about the back. And then you're still left with a baby who can't use their tongue properly. Yeah. How about you, Laura? Um, what was your what was your son's an oral anatomy like, and was it a challenge right from the beginning? Um, his latch, his ability to latch on, was a problem from the beginning. Um, once he did latch on consistently, starting when he was about sixteen days old, it was about four days into breastfeeding at that point that I sought out the evaluation for a posterior tongue tie because he. Um, it became super painful. Um, nursing became excruciating, actually. Um, and I actually had called you, Robin, and you suggested the evaluation for the posterior tongue tie. Um, so we did get that clipped um, with Dr. Ochi, and then he went back to not wanting to latch um, for another six weeks um, of not wanting to latch. And then now that he's been latching, um, all like there's no more pain like that at all. Like it, So obviously there was definitely other issues with latching, but then the posterior tongue tie also was affecting his ability to, to breastfeed. And Veronica, since we're mentioning Dr. Ochi and the fact that he did, um, we interviewed him on this show quite a while ago. Um, how can you explain how does a tight frenulum affect breastfeeding, and do they always need to be clipped? Let me answer the the first last part. question, oh, sure. the last part first. Tongue ties do not always need to be clipped. The frenulum can resolve itself. It can start stretching out. The baby can start learning how to work around his or her quote unquote impediment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they can figure it out. When you're, when you're looking at a baby who is just not figuring it out, they're just um, smacking the chin up and down like a piston versus making the jaw movement in an elliptical fashion. Um, you can, you can kind of 
pretty much tell who's going to be able to transition and who's not going to be able to. And so those are the ones that um, that I refer for an evaluation for the tongue tie. Um, but the reason why a tongue tie doesn't allow the baby to to strip enough milk from the breast is because the baby's not able to stretch the tongue far out enough. And I kind of make the analogy with my with my clients that um, if you take those exercise bands and you stretch them, okay, and there's the different uh, circumference of exercise bands, the really skinny one, you can stretch it all day long and you're like, woohoo, I'm working out, you know, <laughs> and then there's the medium size one where you're like, okay, this is a little bit more difficult. And then there's the really, really thick one. And you're like, Ugh, I can't move the thing. It's so hard to move. And that's kind of what I, I tend to look at tongue tie like. There's the the one that's really pliable and elastic and it, you know, it's placed in the right perfect sweet spot that you can move the tongue. And then there's the one where, oh my gosh, it's thick, it's inelastic, it's fibrous, it's placed in a place where it does not allow for free movement of the tongue, and that's where you get into your problems. Okay. And something that I see in my practice, and I'm sure you do as well, is that oftentimes tongue ties and lip ties go hand in hand. And so why would a tight upper lip cause a breastfeeding problem? And is there anything a mother can do to encourage her baby's lips to flange out? Yeah. You, um, first of all, that the reason why the, the upper lip uh, being tied down to the gums you know, it, it tends to hurt a mom's um, nipples very badly because what happens is you don't get that big fish lip look, the the flange out of the of the lips, and so it causes the baby to have his gums more exposed. And you know, there's no teeth or, or gums involved in breastfeeding, but when your lips can't hang on because the lips are like the Velcro that hang on to the breast. Um, if the lips can't hang on, then they dig their gums in to be able to hold on um, so they don't lose that latch and then mommy gets really really sore or bloody or you know whatever and then it's just not a good thing Um, and some moms do uh, flare out with their fingers the lips and they can um, they can certainly do that Um, and some moms do some exercises where they start um, kind of massaging that labial frenum so that it can stretch Um, but once again, some will stretch and some won't. Some are just too fibrous and impliable and, and they won't they won't go anywhere. Um, one of the things that I just want to make a, a note about, um, I know there's a lot of brouhaha, different doctors say, oh, there's no such thing as tongue tie. And then there's other doctors that say, yes, tongue tie. And then... Um, you know, there's there's parents who say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hurt my baby and I don't want to clip this. But you've got to understand that both the, the tongue tie and also the labial frenum, this is not just a breastfeeding issue. This has implications beyond just breastfeeding, you know. And so if the baby's having difficulty with um, undulating their tongue for breastfeeding, they're having difficulty undulating their tongue to swallow, which can cause a lot of choking, Um and that goes for their whole lifetime, um, causes their um, their palate to go up because of the way that they use their tongue. And that can later on in life as adults can um, lead to apnea. Um, so, And then with the lip, um, usually when they have that tight labial frenum, that uh, frenum goes around the gum and tends to have a lot of um, uh, dental malocclusions um, involving braces and, and all of that because you'll usually have a gap tooth baby for for that one so okay now that thank you I really appreciate you bringing those up yeah. um, 
Veronica, what if a baby's tongue is really disorganized and has a difficult time creating a rhythmic sucking motion? Um, I see this oftentimes when the baby's tongue has been released or even babies who I can't find, a. there's no frenulum whatsoever underneath there. And for some reason, their tongue is just, they have a really difficult time organizing. Um, what, what can a mom do to help her baby become more efficient? That's funny because that that tongue was my older son. That and he is why I became a lactation consultant. And he just had one of those just really long, loose tongues that um, you know it was just too big for his mouth. Um, and it and it still is. He still he's fifteen and a half, and he still talks like he's got a bowl of mush in his mouth. And it's just it drives me nuts. But um, but what, what you would do with that type of tongue is you can do some sucking exercises with your finger or with a pacifier. And I know I said the dreaded P word, <laughs> um, but there are correct ways to use the pacifier when you're breastfeeding and there are incorrect ways to use it. So I just want to make that disclaimer. Um, it's not a pacifier like here, just stick the pacifier in their mouth. So I tend to to use a pacifier, um, the ones that they give at the hospital that has a little happy face um, little, they're usually kind of a green color. Um, what I do is I stick my finger into, there's like an orifice, (laughs) like a little opening on the the backside of it. Um, And what you can do is you can actually coax the tongue down with the um, pacifier nipple and you would coax it down and kind of try to draw it outwards and then kind of wiggle it back in and then coax it down again and bring it outwards. That's one way you can do that with your finger also. But I, I tend to find that the, the pacifier works a little bit better because you don't have to use as much pressure with your finger to do it. It's a little bit more gentle. And so it's almost like a tug of war. Kind of a little so bit, yeah. kind of holding on to it while you're pulling your finger out. It's drawing the tongue out. Correct, correct. Um, and then the other thing that, um, that I definitely like to use is um, a bringing forward of the cheeks. And so you would kind of squeeze the cheeks, and we call it in lactation the dancer hold, um, and you would kind of bring them in. You don't want to depress the cheeks inwards. You want to draw them forward towards the breast as you're actually breastfeeding. And this takes a little bit of talent. <laughs> um, but uh, that also creates a really nice seal so that the baby can start doing that correct sucking motion. And it seems to to me that once the baby kind of like it clicks, they kind of get it, then they've pretty much always got it. It may not always be perfect until they start practicing more, but they will definitely start getting it more and more. Um, So I think that just kind of showing them what they're supposed to do teaches them to do what they're supposed to do. Okay. Ladies, how how were you able during that time period when your babies were not ef- effectively breastfeeding? Did you do any techniques to help bring their tongue out or any stretching exercises or anything that you think positively impacted them so that way they could eventually exclusively breastfeed? Regula? Um, I didn't. And with the twins, it just got resolved so quickly. They they were organizing their tongue almost instantly. And with the Vivian, like I said, she had that first clipping and nothing really happened after that. And then she had two more clippings. And even after the third clipping, she had some craniosacral therapy. And, but I'm not sure that that did the trick either. I think she just needed time and she needed time at the boob directly at the boob with no nipple shield. I just had to 
endure the pain, and she had to learn how how to suck with that new released loose tongue. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Laura? Yes, I, I also did craniosacral and um, had one chiropractic session also um, for all of the issues and also, you know, along with the tongue tie. Um, but I did not do any of the stretching exercises. Um, Theo had, was almost like he, even though he didn't have any trauma, he had come out kind of seeming like a trauma infant like his birth had been traumatic because of his behavior so I didn't want to be doing anything else super traumatic for him personally and the clipping was traumatic enough so I did not put my fingers in there anymore once he finally did latch he was still fairly disorganized and I mean the latching at nine weeks once he finally did latch then he was still kind of disorganized and it was the same thing as Regula said I just nursed him and nursed him and nursed him and nursed him and just he's gotten better over the last month were you going to mention something, Veronica? Yeah, I was going. I was going to mention that I I love craniosacral therapy, and I think that um, phrenotomy, which is the tongue clipping that we're talking about, phrenotomy and, and craniosacral therapy kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion, um, because once they do have that that tongue clipping, um, they tend to have that loose tongue. They tend to like to suck their tongue, and to be honest with you, a tongue sucking baby is my worst baby nightmare <laughs> of all, because you just you can't get them to divorce their tongue from their, their palate. And it's just, you know, and it creates even more of that high palate and whatnot. So having the craniosacral therapist um, open up that palate and kind of free the tongue down and kind of coax it back to where it's supposed to be. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And th- about that topic of the high palate, um, I know that that can also present some breastfeeding challenges. And so what exactly is this and what can a mother do to help this situation? And will the palate eventually spread out? Yes, it will eventually spread out. And actually breastfeeding helps it a lot um, because it kind of trains the the mouth to to go where it's supposed to go. Um, One of the reasons or some of the reasons that the high palate happens, um, either A, a very traumatic birth like you were talking about, um, where they get squeezed too tightly through the vaginal canal. um, And because baby's bones are so malleable, they're they're meant to move. um, And so they move and they kind of get you know, kind of disjointed or whatever. And um, the palate is one of those particular uh, surfaces that is not really fused together. And so it'll move during the palate. The other one, I'm sorry, during the birth canal. um, And uh, the other one that happens is that uh, when babies are in the womb, they tend to do behaviors uh, to suit themselves. And so one of them is sucking. um, And so either they'll suck their thumb or they'll suck their tongue in the womb and the the one who was sucking their tongue in the womb is usually the tongue-tied one that comes out and sucks their tongue outside of the womb and they're the ones that tend to have these problems and and it kind of all fits together in a nice little box that (laughs) painful nice little box but they kind of go hand in hand Okay. Well, when we come back, Veronica will discuss what a mother can do when her baby is dealing with a weakened suck and other anatomical issues. So we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, we're back with Veronica Tingzon, um, an international board certified lactation consultant and owner of the original Comfort Food in San Diego. And we're talking about how a baby's oral anatomy can affect breastfeeding. So Veronica, every once in a while, I will meet a baby whose suck is weaker than I would expect and is really unable to transfer as much milk as he needs during a feeding. Um, What can cause a baby to have a weakened suck? Um, there's a couple of different things. Um, one of them is birth trauma. Um, the the fact that their um, jaw can be offset, where one side is protruding further forward than the other, um, and and everybody has that. Um, you just have to kind of look and see, like which side is it. So you'd have to, you know, face the baby in the direction that's closest or jetted closest forward to the breast, and that's one way to resolve that one, or craniosacral therapy. Um, The other one is prematurity. The babies just don't have enough fat in their cheeks in order to... um, to gather that strength to be able to form a really, really good suck. Or even just a baby who's um, term but very low birth weight will have that same problem. Um, And then um, different, you know, different things like, um, you know, how sedated they are when they're coming out, you know. I, my perfect world would be everybody, everybody giving, you know, natural childbirth, but, you know, a lot of these babies come out very sedated, and so then they just don't really want to suck, and so um, there's different ways to, you know, go about getting either one of these situations going. Um, the one with the sedated baby is just a little bit of time to get them through their sedation. Skin to skin, I cannot tell you how important skin to skin is during that time period. It's amazing what a baby can do to transition if they're just with their mom and not in the box. Um, For the term baby that's low birth weight or the preterm baby that's low birth weight, it's just going to take a little bit of time and fattening up. Um, So a lot of the things that I do with that particular baby is either um, give them a little bit of um, bottled breast milk first or do the SNS first so they don't have to work quite as hard and then let them do a little bit more um, sucking on their own without having to expend as many calories as they are. A lot of people do their supplementation afterwards, but this particular type of baby needs it up front. Um, and uh, for the baby with the the anatomical um, difference in in proportion of their face, um, that one just, you know, craniosacral and chiropractic can help resolve that. Or like I said, facing the baby in um, the direction that is farthest protruding forward. Okay. It's funny. um, You mentioned chiropractic. I just started chiropractic work about six weeks ago and she did x-rays of, you know, my body and my, my skull is totally, um, diagonal, like where it's supposed to be flat. And my mom, barely breastfed me because it was so painful and I look at how my body has shifted based on having this you know body that is is slightly tilted and so it manifests later on and so that's why chiropractic work and craniosacral therapy can be so helpful for babies because then they don't end up with chronic back pain as a 36 year old woman so yeah yeah you know and it's funny because a lot of moms are so resistant to it it's gonna hurt my baby I'm like really, it's going to help your baby and it's going to help them further 
lifetime, not just right now. It's amazing what it can do for a lifetime. Absolutely. Um, I, I, is this something that a mom should speak with her pediatrician about um, with low, <laughs> weak insect? You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to. You know, there, there are so many pediatricians. You know, there's the, I think it's kind of split down the middle 50-50. But then again, I am in an area where it's very pro-breastfeeding. It's very pro-knowledge about different um, alternate forms of medicine, incorporating Eastern philosophy into Western philosophy. Um, So I don't know how that is everywhere. You know, I I can't tell you what it would be like in the Midwest, let's say, where, you know, there's lower breastfeeding rates and whatnot. But um, the reason I laugh is because I have met with so much resistance from certain pediatrician groups. because they're like, oh, there's that lactation consultant again. She's such a hippie, you know, and she's, you know, and it's really not. I mean, and, and I even had one um, pediatrician go so far as to tell the mother that I was working with, don't ever listen to the lactation consultant. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, wow. And, um, and he said, you know, tongue tie does not exist. High palates do not exist. So um, it's, it's very difficult for us to... Um, be able to really give that information to the mother because then there's somebody naysaying on the other side. And so then we're going through this power struggle. And But the doctor, and the doctor is the almighty doctor, he or she said, and it's so it's very difficult for me um, to really let them know, look, I've, I've done this for many, many years. I know exactly what's going on. And there's research to back it yeah, up. Yeah, and there's too, research but. to back it up, exactly. Okay. Um, to, to kind of switch the topic on different type of anomalies, um, what about lockjaw and how can this affect breastfeeding? Lockjaw is is really something that it's over time is is been caused by these certain types of behaviors. Um, the lockjaw, for example, is from the. Uh, a lot of the time that tongue sucker once again has that tongue placed up on the on the top of the palate and they tend to squeeze the TMJ um, which is the temporomandibular joint um, which is the, basically the hinge of the jaw and um, and so because they are so tight there and they don't drop down that jaw it becomes this very tight thing that later on in life will be a chronic problem and cause lockjaw and whatnot. So how, what can a mother do to remedy this situation and who should she be talking to about this? Um, she can do a little bit of massage on the TMJ, um, circular massage to kind of help open the baby's mouth up. And those um, sucking exercises that we talked about with the pacifiers or the finger, that's a great one also. You can also do those same sucking exercises, believe it or not, with a bottle. Um, you can't really do them on the breast because the nipple of the, the breast is too soft to, to be able to ply the baby's mouth down. Um, but the person who you'd want to refer them to is, once again, either craniosacral therapy um, a, a chiropractor, um, an osteopath also can can help them with that. Is this something an occupational therapist or a pediatric occupational therapist might help with? They they can. Um, the one thing about occupational therapists is that they they are looking at at it most of the times more from the the bottle feeding standpoint, and that's fine. There are some um, occupational therapists that are that. Uh, 
direct it towards the breastfeeding component also. And as a matter of fact, at my hospital, we have an incredible occupational therapist who's also an IBLC, so or International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. And she's she's incredible, and she does get these babies. She gets micropremies to breastfeed. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then our last topic of the day, which obviously deserves its own um, or its own episode, but the cleft palate and the cleft lip. What are the chances that a baby with one of these would be able to breastfeed? You know, I've actually seen a lot of cleft uh, lip and palate babies be able to breastfeed. The cleft lip babies are, actually have a pretty good success rate. Um, and as It's all ha- about getting the suction, Yeah, right? it's all about getting the suction. So if we can kind of squish the breast into filling that space, um, that cleft, uh, we can we can get it done. Sometimes using a nipple shield will help that as well. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes the, the cleft palate baby has a more difficult time, obviously, because there is a, you can't get that negative pressure when there's an opening there. Um, a lot of the times we have those moms pump and um, just continue to pump until the, that baby can have that cleft resolved. Um, and then hopefully we can start doing some breastfeeding at that point in time. But then again, that's up to that baby. Absolutely. And and before we end, I would just love to ask our panelists, because obviously you spent a lot of time working on breastfeeding with your children, you know, nine weeks, three months to where they finally became efficient. What kept you going? And, you know, I know you're laughing, right? (laughs) But how did you keep going? Because I know that I I see this with the moms that I work with, how how overwhelmingly emotional it is to continue at something that is not yet met where it needs to be, you know, and be comfortable. So um, what kept you going, Laura? I don't know. (laughs) Sheer sheer stubbornness, right? It was. I I tell people I'm just a little crazy and a little stubborn, and I just felt like um, exclusive breastfeeding was my goal, like prenatally, and it never occurred to me that that wouldn't happen. So when it wasn't happening, I just felt like I just felt like there was just no other option. And I would just tell him that all the time, too. This is non-negotiable. So um, I also had a lot of support from other moms texting me every day and asking me how I'm doing and the donor milk and um, my midwives and lactation consultants. And so the breastfeeding community itself was really, really supportive. And that helped a lot, too. How about you, Regula? Well, I was at first told that I had no milk, and that's why... Vivian wasn't able to get milk, and I never believed that. Um, I, I didn't think that my body couldn't do this. So I, I was confident in my body that my body could do it. And then when I was told that she had a posterior tongue tie, um, as well as, you know, that it wasn't just taken care of with clipping the anterior one, that was a little bit of a relief because it gave me new hope. So I went from hope to almost no hope, but still going to have a little bit of new hope and and then almost no hope and a little bit new hope with the third clipping. And I just thought of it as a lesson that I was teaching my daughter, we never give up. And I remember nursing her and or attempting to nurse her sitting on the couch saying, Vivian, we will never give up. And we didn't. And she's three years old and still nursing. 
Oh, yay. <laughs> she is a doll. <laughs> she is. Uh, well, thank you so much, Veronica, for your insight into how a baby's oral anatomy can affect breastfeeding. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Veronica will answer a few more questions on this topic. Uh, for more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Before we end today's show, here's Amber McCann sharing tips for the best online breastfeeding resources. Hello, Boob Group listeners. I'm Amber McCann, an international board-certified lactation consultant and the owner of Nourish Breastfeeding Support just outside of Washington, D.C. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions when it comes to finding quality breastfeeding resources online, such as, I've got a freezer full of milk that I've pumped. Where can I donate? I once had a mother call me to tell me that she was so proud that she'd pumped so much milk that they were having to pour it down the sink. Nothing strikes terror in the heart of a lactation consultant quite like that. Many breastfeeding mothers are also pumping and can gather in excess of milk. I've heard of mothers who needed to purchase new upright freezers for all their milk. If you are ever in a situation where you have more milk than your baby needs, would you consider donating some to a Himbana-designated milk bank? Himbana stands for the Human Milk Banking Association of North America, and they are tasked with gathering processing, and distributing donor milk to NICUs all over the country. For these fragile infants, donor milk can literally be a matter of life or death. Wouldn't it feel really good to be part of that miracle? One note, please understand that there are a number of other, quote, milk banks that take donations from mothers and sell the milk at a profit. Check to make sure that the bank you are considering is a Hambana-designated one. Please check them out at www.hmbana.org. Again, it's www.hmbana.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Amber McCann, and I'd love for you to check out my website at www.nourishbreastfeeding.com for information on my business and a little bit more about where to get connected with great online breastfeeding support. Or join me on my Facebook page at www.facebook.com backslash nourish breastfeeding. And if you have a great online breastfeeding resource you'd like us to know about, please send me an email. You can do it to amber at nourishbreastfeeding.com or share it on the Boob Group Facebook page. Be sure to listen to the Boob Group each week for more fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and how to find great breastfeeding support. Thank you so much to our experts, panelists, and all of our listeners. If you have any questions about today's show or the topics we discussed, please call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we would love to hear it. Simply visit our website at theboobgroup.com and send us an email through the contact link. Coming up next week, we have Annie, Cherry, and Jennifer back on the show to talk about what life has been like during their baby's seventh month in our series, Breastfeeding Expectations. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, because mothers know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. 
While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.